0: This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley.
1: Arkansas wins the
0: National Championship! Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials. Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. Brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family owned and operated, a no pressure, laid back atmosphere, and always home of the free maintenance for life. This podcast is powered by the pros at
1: Pascal Air, Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned, Arkansas operated.
2: GoPascal.com. Good morning, Arkansas. Hope everybody had a great day yesterday. We're about to have a great day today. Maybe the first few hours of your day have been all right. Uh, We have a big one tonight. Late basketball at Rupp Arena. And, uh, boy, this is the start of a stretch where the Racerbacks are playing really a lot of really good basketball teams, teams that have won a lot of basketball games in the SEC, starting tonight with Kentucky, Mississippi State after that, A&M. you got a lot of opportunities right now to get, well, A quad one win, of which Arkansas has only one right now. Oh, it is uh, great to be alive today. Great to be awake, feeling good. Matt, Christian, how's everybody in studio today? What's new?
1: I'm doing great, man. Great Tuesday. Looking forward to the show.
3: Can't complain, man. Beautiful day.
2: Beautiful day in Mr. Rogers'
3: neighborhood. Get to see Ty's pretty face every day when I walk in. So it's, uh, it's always a good day.
2: He must be in there let well, must he, be in there if you actually admitted that for yeah. a quick moment. Well, that's nice. Uh, did you? I, we didn't realize that we we celebrated Matty T's um, nuptials yesterday while he's uh, going in New Orleans with his lovely lady. And today's his 40th birthday. I'd oh my goodness! That, that is that he is a February baby. There's a lot going on, man. Over a over a three day stretch. 2023 on, came fast. Yeah, no kidding. Married on a Sunday. Um, birthday on a Tuesday. This kind of sounds a little bit like an old Nirvana song. I don't know. Didn't have a really good ending in the Nirvana song. I, th- I hope the ending may- works a little bit better for for Maddie T. Fortieth birthday too. That's, Happy uh, birthday, didn't you, Maddie didn't T. You just hit. Didn't I'll be a couple
3: months. Yeah, April. I'm an April April baby. Yeah, yeah. But uh, now
2: I think if we were to put Maddie on uh, on his fortieth birthday, he would probably espouse some nerves over, over, overturning the big four zero. Mm-hmm. you know, we, we love round numbers. We love round numbers in sports, but as humans, once we, once we get in a zero on the end of our age, uh, you, it's like you all automatically start like looking back on your life and, you know, wondering how many years you've got left and all of that kind of yeah. stuff. That's right. Some self-reflection. Maddie's usually a pretty self-reflective person. Christian, how old are you? What uh what 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 is going to be the next zero on the end of your age? I'm guessing 30 will be the next I was thinking 30 30 he's
3: about 25 right now. 27. 27, okay, yeah.
2: Something about working with 27-year-olds <sighs> at this station. What is it about that? Like, I don't know what it is. 27 is a magic age for ESPN Arkansas and hitthatline.com. When I started doing halftime, I'm pretty sure Ty was 27. I don't remember what SmackDown's age was. Drew was 27 when he started the show. And now Christian's 27. Well, I don't know. It's Probably more than anything, it's just a, just a coincidence. That's your number. Ne-
3: next time it's 27 days to baseball, we got it all figured out. Just just getting get, get the seat over here at ESPN Arkansas. Yeah.
2: We'll have to plan that for next January. <laughs> yeah, right. Because we're 10 days away today uh, from the start of the baseball. Man, it's
3: here, ain't it? It's here, isn't it? Sorry, my, if my mom's listening, she'll be mad at me. But it's here, isn't it? Man, we baseball is here.
2: She didn't like that English, uh, that was not not proper English for you? She's uh,
3: she's an English teacher, so, I you know, know, that's how it goes, yeah.
2: Oh, man. Uh, that's right, it is here. And, and really, like, tonight is also, you know, like, one of those things you just look forward to. Every year, in Arkansas... Kentucky basketball game. You know, you kind of circle that on the calendar when the Mm -hmm. schedule comes out. More more, more so than any, probably any other, look, every football game is circled. That's because you only have, you only have 12 of them. So every game is circled. Um, Baseball, uh, there's too many games to circle. So it's not just like one, you're like, I can't wait until that game. Every year that the basketball schedule comes out, and this is one of those years we have two games against Mm -hmm. Kentucky. Both of those. Get circled, italicized, bolded, underlined, all of that, and of course, the next time is the last chance to pad a resume in the regular season at Bud Walton on a sun, on a uh, Saturday afternoon. But like, the, the, there's anticipation every time Arkansas plays Kentucky uh, for Arkansas, and I think for Kentucky fans too. Certainly, with the success of the Hogs in the tournament the last two years, heck, they've gone. Quite a lot farther than Kentucky has in March these past two years.
3: What's well, a good rivalry? That in the fact that it's it's even so to speak that both teams have success against the other. It's not one sided. You know, net, Kentucky's won more national titles, but but Arkansas is not scared of Kentucky. Phil, it's one of those games that it wouldn't matter if there wasn't a single fan in the crowd in the stadium. You're you're ready to play. You're hyped up. Uh, all day you're thinking about it and and being a night game man they're gonna be ready i think there'll be some fireworks tonight i think it's gonna be a battle
2: yeah i mean it is a real rivalry there's no doubt and with you know the resurgence at least in march for the razorbacks the last couple of years they won the last two meetings with kentucky after dropping i think it was eight in a row um so yeah i mean this is uh this is like I mean, they have uh, they put, and I didn't see if they put this in the locker room for the South Carolina game, but I think most of us saw, if you're on social media, you see, you know, the videos, the post-game videos and all that. So before the A&M game, they put a big sign that said, this is our Super Bowl, right? Every game should be like a Super Bowl right now because... When you're two are, and
3: five in conference, yeah, yeah. you got to do something. Yeah, and there, they have. There are no guarantees.
2: Yeah. There are certainly no guarantees. So you got to go into every game. You know, make, kind of like, it's your last. Um, and, and then when it comes to Kentucky, I mean, you just kind of have a, <clears throat> you know, you got it out for them anyway. This is not a, um, this is not, and I don't really know if you could even use the term like a typical Kentucky team, because I think we view typical Kentucky as a team that leads the SEC on a normal basis. Heck, they did last year. They just didn't show up, and it came time for uh, for the tournament against St. Peter's. And this has been such a weird year, For the Wildcats. I mean, they were ranked top five early in the season. Uh, You know, lost a hard-fought game against Michigan State in double overtime. Lost to Gonzaga, two teams that were ranked at that point. I don't really remember how well Michigan State is doing right now. Uh, And, you know, I mean, it was like once once they got blown out by Alabama and then the loss against South Carolina— the the two game losing streak it wasn't necessarily losing at Alabama it was the way it went down man yeah and that and then a home loss to South Carolina you're like what the heck is going on here Cal's going to get fired they got to look for a new coach and everything and all they've done since then is win six consecutive conference games losing only to the defending national champions in the SEC Big Twelve champion a uh, Big Twelve uh, classic or you know whatever yeah Kansas we call that.
3: yeah and, and the thing about Kentucky I know we're getting them there but Man, they went on the road. You, they're not like this Arkansas team that they they seem to. You know, they they did lose to South Carolina, um, but they they have they've won some games on the road. That's for sure.
2: Well, most recently a win at a place that the Razorbacks had maybe their worst half of basketball for the entire year. Vanderbilt. They went out and beat Vanderbilt in Nashville, though. I think that was a different sort of a makeup to that Vanderbilt team. Anyway, I mean, there's 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 a lot there's a lot of meaning in behind this game today, because I mean, looking at the teams that Arkansas has beat recently, and I understand sec games are always, they're always going to be hard, or at least they should be hard. But I guess, you know, you look at the teams they've beaten, right? I mean, Ole Miss, not very good, not a tournament team, not even playing for the NCAA tournament. They're just playing out the string. Same with LSU. Just 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 a collector NIL. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those are two programs that are totally different right now. Kermit Davis is probably on his way out at Ole Miss after this season. And uh, Matt McMahon at LSU is in his first year. So, you know, they're, they're trying to program build. At Ole Miss, it's really just like a program that's coming all the way down. You know, a loss against Baylor, and that's a team that's playing some of the best basketball in the country. That's a loss that still gives you some feeling that this team can go on the road and give you a really good effort against a good basketball team. Because... A and M, A and M, right now they they are they have got a lot to play for. So that win means something, and and even though South Carolina is not very good, at least we saw on Saturday that Arkansas can go and win a road game, even though. They almost gave it up at the end. That was
3: big, Phil. That's big for your confidence, for your psyche. Uh, it, that monkey starts to get heavy on your back. If, if you're losing uh, to get teams, especially you're supposed to win, then you got to go into Kentucky. Uh, so you don't have to worry about it anymore. It, it's done with. Let's go compete. The thing I like about this team is they're not scared of anybody. They're, they're ready to play. Uh, I like our guards. Uh, and, and I think we're going to get a, a good game out of our bigs. And, and we got a couple bigs to rotate in. Uh, Jordan Walsh can be athletic Uh, I I love our guard play The last few games they really seem to be Coming into their own And and they're passing the ball so well Maybe a big game out of Jalen Graham tonight Maybe it's one of those games where Jalen Graham goes 8-10 Almost has 20 points, gets 7 boards So uh, somebody's going to have to step up To to win on the road And and you're going to have to get good guard play But maybe Jordan Walsh Maybe maybe he's a guy that steps up And and has a 17-point, 10-rebound game
2: Team better. All the words there that matter the most to me right now are rebound. Because I think when it comes to, when it comes to Graham, you just expect that, you know, he's got all the moves. He can put up points mm-hmm. pretty quickly at times and very efficiently. But he needs to rebound today. Like he is definitely in that seven player rotation <laughs> it, that I think the team is settling on. You need Graham. He can't just be a one side of the court guy. Nobody on this team can be that right now. It is so important for Graham to rebound because I don't really know how much you're going to get offensively from Mikhail Mitchell. Mm-hmm. You're going to get effort from him defensively, rebounding. Makai, I just hope he's not. I hope he's feeling better than he did on Saturday. You want him to be illness plagued him, he just wasn't. He wasn't able to stay on the court. And Makai Mitchell is incredibly important against a team like Kentucky, you know, or a team against like Tennessee or Florida. Teams that are on your schedule, you know, coming up soon. Teams that rebound, that have seven footers. I know weighs not a seven footer, but gosh, he plays like well, a kid from nine, like two sixty.
3: The kid from South Carolina, we saw what he did to us. So you know they're watching film and they're saying, "Look, this is what he did to it." And, and Cal's like, you you better than that. you you better than than Slay or the the kid from South South It's like, like, why? You see how easy he made it look. Go out there and eat. And so we a gonna. That's a to be a problem for us if if we don't figure that out. But but try to wear him down, Foul him. Uh, but drag him, drag him, or make him drag you around the court. Kind of, kind of try to wear him out. Where he gets to the end of the first half, he might make some stupid, some stupid fouls, silly fouls, and have to sit down because he is probably he is the blue chip player. I'm excited to watch him play, Phil. I haven't seen him play much. That I can't say his last name. I'm, i I'm, can't even try right now. I'm sure I'd, I'd mess it up.
2: <laughs> Maybe we can give a little, a few lessons on that as we go throughout the show today. Some pronunciations and gets us ready for. Um, we didn't do this last year, but we did it a couple of years ago and got to reimplement it as an annual tradition um, either the day before the NCAA tournament starts or the day that March Madness begins with uh, all those games on that Thursday. Um, yeah, pronunciation contest of some of the most difficult names in the NCAA tournament. and gosh, I mean if you it's difficult to just pick 10 of them, it really is. Um, Drew and Maddie, had some trouble with those a couple of years ago. So we might have some fun with that in about a month because Selection Sunday is like a little more than a month away. So we got to get those names memorized sometime soon. Yeah, I mean, looking ahead here, this is when the schedule flips for the Razorbacks. Eight games left, four at home, four on the road. Seven of the eight games are quad one games. Hey, this is time to it's
3: time to go. That's right. It,
2: like We, we kind of poo pooed a little bit the idea of wherever you're slotted in the tournament, as long as you get in, fine, right? Mm-hmm. If you want to improve your seeding, right now Arkansas is anywhere from like a 10 to 11 seed. It might be one of the last four teams in, according to some of the bracketologists who are paid to pay attention to the way that the tournament committee selects we, teams and slots them. They know what they're talking about.
3: We need a, uh, like a nice little 6-2 finish the regular season, something like that, and get, get, have some momentum going into the SEC tournament.
2: Honestly, 4-4 four and four in these last eight will get you off the 10 line. We'll come back. More halftime after a quick break.
4: Stop by Eastside Liquor in Fort Smith at 9390 Rogers Avenue and check out their full selection of Tommy Bahama Spirits. Get whisked away to Island Paradise with excellence you can taste. Eastside Liquor carries Tommy Bahama Island Gin, Rye Whiskey, Bourbon Whiskey, Rum, and Tommy Bahama Vodkas, Mango, Cucumber, and Neutral. Get by Eastside Liquor today and try the multiple award-winning Tommy Bahama Spirits. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from NFL and bowl season to eSports. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at BetOnline. BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to BetOnline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code believe to receive your rewards that's b-l-e-a-v bet online where the game starts get by Eastside liquor in fort smith today and pick up a bottle of the delicious 291 colorado bourbon and rye also available high noon tailgate packs are in stock so swing by 9390 rogers avenue in fort smith for all your game day needs at Eastside liquor now back to the podcast
2: all right, getting back here on halftime. This is usually when we'd be talking to Chuck Barrett. Though uh Chuck is at a shoot around right now in uh, Lexington. So we'll uh, we'll have Chuck on in the next hour. So he's over there, at Rupp, setting up the equipment, watching the guy. You can't do radio segments at a shoot around. That's one thing I found out. Heck, I think I was doing an interview with you, Matt, on a previous radio station at an SEC women's basketball tournament game. Ah, was that in uh, Little? It was either it was either in Little Rock or it was in Nashville. One of those two cities. One of my first two years doing the um, the women's basketball games at Arkansas, and like go ahead and try to have a conversation with somebody when there's loud music playing or a coach, uh, you know, shouting directions and basketballs bouncing all over the place. That, but it just wasn't going to work. So we're going to get Chuck on in the in the next hour over the phone. From uh, lovely, lovely Lexington, inside that building that I've actually I've only been inside Rupp once, and it was it was uh, like the women's team as I said yesterday they don't play there. Kentucky's women's team plays at Old Memorial Coliseum, where the I know the men's team played there until Rupp opened in the mid 1970s. And man, that place looks like uh, it was built in the 1930s. I mean Memorial, not Rupp. Uh, Rupp, I think, has been recently added onto or renovated or something. It's a pretty big building. But I remember walking in there because the women's team stayed at – there's a hotel that's – because, I mean, Rupp isn't just an arena. It's a conference center. It's a convention center, and there's a hotel attached to it. We stayed there one trip into Lexington, and you just kind of walk right into the arena. It's almost like an entrance to a mall, in a sense. They had, a, I think, a concert that was happening that night. I remember walking in there thinking, "My gosh, this is a college basketball arena." It's not owned by the university, like most of the arenas for college basketball across the SEC and probably around the country. Um, that is a building that was put together and built, and now owned by the city of Lexington. So, it's, uh, it's why it's a little bit different. Uh, let's see. Hmm? You been inside
3: there? So the first uh, this uh, w- weird story. Uh, so freshman year football, you know, play, playing football a little bit, and it didn't start a, a game at football, but but played a little bit. So basketball, uh, get over there, Nolan Richardson's last year, and uh, we we go to to Rupp Arena, and you know I've been over there about four or five weeks and uh, to see how things are going, and and I'm you know I love some basketball, I love playing basketball, I loved everything about it. And, uh, coach Richson, we come in, we go out for, for shoot around and do whatever. And, uh, we come back in for, for your final talk before you're going to go out. And I see the numbers on the board and I see my number. I was number two at the time and I see my numbers in the starting lineup. And I'm just like, Oh, is this a misprint? You know, it's first game. I haven't started a game. I'm a freshman on football scholarship. And you know who the number I see across for my, my number was Tayshawn Prince. It was like, oh, man, you set me up for failure, right? So I love, you know, obviously I'm a competitor and I, I'm trying, but, you know, Tayshon Prince, there's nothing, he's just a better basketball, you know? So I get out there, I'm guarding Tayshon Prince, and all he does is a little thing, just shoots his little side shot and just like, oh, man. But uh, that was my first start was at Rupp Arena uh, against Kentucky. It was awesome, man. Talk about atmosphere and just a great time, and it was fun except for we didn't win the game, you know?
2: What, what year would that have been, Matt? I'd have
3: been 02. Uh, it had been 01. Okay. It had been uh, 2001's when I graduated from high school. 01 would have been the old miss game. So 02, been a freshman year like 01, 02. I don't think it would be 02, 03. Um, I don't know if everything.
2: I got you here. Uh, yeah, lost 71 to 58 was the final score in that game. A part of a lengthy losing streak to Kentucky from 2001 through. 2011. I didn't realize Arkansas went 10 years between wins over uh, the Kentucky Wildcats. And of course you just you just had a losing streak there was 8 in a row until a win in the 21 and and then last year 22. You know Arkansas all time has had just one three-game winning streak against the Wildcats. Wow. And that was 2013 and 2014. Uh, that would also include, heck, I think that was also the uh, famous Mike Qualls put-back dunk at the buzzer. That would have been at Bud Walton, yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah, that would have been on, uh, that was a birthday of mine, January the 14th. I remember watching that game with the women's team in a hotel, and we saw that happen, and like, wow, and then they beat him later on that season. Uh, and then, you know, don't, don't beat him again for another seven years. But a chance to make it three in a row over Kentucky tonight. I hadn't realized that Arkansas had only had one three-game winning streak in school history against the Wildcats in a series that dates back to 1950. I mean, and even in the glory days, you know, of, of Arkansas basketball, uh, they still couldn't put together uh, even a two-game winning streak against Patino's Wildcats. Gosh, those, those were some great battles. And... I think you know maybe maybe get the same kind of game uh, in this one today. Although they're not both you know top five top ten teams. Uh, looks like uh, who do you, do you need anybody? Do you need something extra from anybody today? You know what I mean? Something extra, something that you don't usually get from somebody. The thing that I'm point I pointed out in the last segment. You know, it'd be nice if Jordan Walsh uh, has one of those good offensive days that you see. You know, maybe once a week. You know, every couple of games, He'd go three of six
3: from the three-point line, He'd hit a couple free throws, uh, get some offensive rebounds, get a couple slashing baskets, end up with fourteen points and nine boards. Yeah,
2: I'm I'm hundred percent with you. That's what I'd like for a guy that comes off the bench. It's like you always have a scorer to come off the bench with some energy. You know what I mean? I mean that was J.D. Note a couple of years ago. Re- always came off the. I mean, you know, you remember watching J.T. I mean, J.D. Ballers just good. yeah. Well, he was going to gun it when he got out there. You knew what you were getting, somebody that was looking for shots, no matter what angle they were or how deep they were. And quite often those things went in. Um, you know, that's what you've been been—you've been kind of looking for, that... I don't want to say energy guy, because no matter what happens offensively for Walsh, he's got tons of energy. I mean, you can, he, t- he always plays with energy. So you will get that coming off the bench from him. But I think in this one today... You know what? What are we? Uh, what is he averaging here? Jordan's averaging seven point three points per game, and in SEC competition, it's pretty much the same seven point two points per game. Just an extra three points, four points from Jordan today, I think would would, I, uh, would help work some wonders. And and not
3: only that, feel to to what you're saying. I I think Jordan Walsh needs to play close to thirty minutes. I think that that'd be. Part of the part of his numbers are skewed because he he fouls out nineteen or you know he's not getting that rhythm going. It's just if he can get going and, and it definitely you know how I feel about Jordan Walsh. I I love that kid. I love his game and I think when the game gets down the last four minutes you want him on the floor. But you also he needs he, he's growing up and learning. You you want him on the floor thirty minutes if you got our guards Devo. Uh, Ricky Council and Anthony Black are going to get 38-plus minutes. That's kind of – that's just how it's going to go. If if they're not fouling out, they're going to go. So you're looking for the minutes. You're looking for your, Jordan Walsh. Uh, I, I also think – we talked a little bit about it yesterday. Phil, I think Kamani Johnson needs to have a big game. Where, where's he been for – you know, step up, make some plays for us.
2: Well, you know, the, the, a player like Kamani and a player like Joseph Pinion, you know, they are utilized in specific situations for specific opponents. Um just matchups, yeah. I, yeah, I would be really surprised if you see Pinion today. But I wouldn't be surprised if all, at all if Kamani is out there for 9 to 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Because it's like this is a... The, you get a rebound as a team against a guy like Sheba. Like, this is, this is the best rebounder in the nation. Going on two years. And it's not just rebounding, it's offensive rebounding. I think that's where a lot of his points come from. Stick backs. Just overpowering an opponent three or four feet from the rim. It's not these long rebounds that sometimes you can't control. It's the rebounds that you're just getting out muscled for, you know, underneath. And it's not like Shibwe is, you know, a world-class leaper. I don't think he's jumping over everybody. He's not a seven-foot-three guy. He's just, he's a smart rebounder. He's, he knows how to use his body, and he's incredibly strong. That, that It's difficult for one player to, like, out-rebound a guy like that. That's where Kamani comes in today.
3: I, I couldn't agree with you more. Rebounding uh, it doesn't start when the ball hits the rim. It starts when the shooter releases the ball. And so there's there's a time to, to, to get going and to, to when you're concentrating on rebound. And if you just sit there and watch the ball go hit the rim, you're reacting last. You have to see what's going on and be aware. See where he's shooting. See how he's falling this way. See what's going see where you think that ball's going to hit off the rim and where it's going to go from there. And, and that's right. I mean rebounding is a, a lot about that and a Lot of effort. You, you got to be smart, but if you can put yourself in the right spot, you're going to get the rebounds.
2: JT says it's a must-win game tonight. I wonder if that's like JT's hatred of Kentucky coming through because I don't view this as a must-win. I view this as a nice win if you get it when you play Kentucky at home at Bud Walton. That's the must-win. You got to win your home games right now, mm-hmm. and it's not like winning on the road is gravy. Uh, and you know, you just you're just happy if it might happen like uh th- this is not the must win game on the schedule i think winning your home games like beating mississippi state later on this week i think that's a must win i think beating florida at home beating georgia at home and then kentucky we- at home i think those are the must win games
3: four conference wins in a row uh we, we get eight games to finish the season Man, if you you find a way to go six and two, uh, that that would kind of be your little run. You, you're going to probably be what a five or a six seed in the SEC tournament. I don't know. Six and two might get you to four. You probably need a little help and get that double by. Uh, but man, it's it's one of those deals. Phil. I don't I don't see us going out there and getting beat by seventeen tonight. I, I don't see us giving up sixty three to in the second half to them. I think we're going to be focused, I, not like how we did to Vanderbilt. I think we just kind of lost track, lost focus. I. I see this being a battle, a game kind of like a Baylor, kind of like a Texas A&M. It's going to be one of those where when they make a run, we can't go six minutes and not score. We can't have five turnovers and seven possessions. We got to play smart, and it's going to be a real basketball game. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I, I, you can hear it in my voice. I'm excited to watch this game tonight.
2: But a loss tonight doesn't knock you out of you know bracketology or anything it doesn't necessarily mean anything a month ahead but it does give you an idea of maybe what the committee's looking looking at you have a net ranking of number 29 right now you're playing against the 31st net ranking in the country in Kentucky on the road so a loss in this game isn't going to hurt your net ranking very much if at all a win is going to is going to move it up at least a notch maybe two but I think it's, it's like more than just the idea of seeding or going to the tournament or anything. And I understand where JT is coming out here because you want to see that they can beat a good team on the road, right? You want to see like South Carolina. They want to, you want to poo-poo South Carolina here because they're the only team to win at Rupp. Like, that's a thing that I can't compute. That's the only team this year. Heck, the only team in the last two years to win at Rupp Arena that doesn't wear big blue is South Carolina, they have that incredible road win. And then they almost shocked the Razorbacks. But just the fact, and I agree with Chris and Fayetteville who texted in, South Carolina showed the Hogs can win on the road and can win a close game. Tonight is going to be both of those. I think this is going to be an incredibly tight ball game, and obviously it is on the road. Um, but the other aspect, and I wonder about this about road games sometimes, you know, the baseball tournament, the women's basketball tournament, and in the future, in the college football playoff in the first round, you're playing on an opponent's home field or home court. In the men's tournament, not a thing. Not a thing. Hogs have shown they can win neutral site games when they have plenty of their fans in attendance. I know they had a lot of their fans in attendance at Baylor, and there were certainly some in Columbia, but those were road games. They can win neutral site games. You don't have to worry about road games too much in in, in March. I think it's about winning the close ones, showing that you can beat a good team. Because let's be honest about this. If you're going to get back to where Arkansas was last year, Elite Eight, you're going to have to beat a team that's as good or better, probably better, than Kentucky. Maybe even two of them. Maybe even two of them to get to the Elite Eight. Yes, sir. Stay with us. Halftime back after this.
1: Chuck Barrett here. I know a thing or two about making great calls in Arkansas.
4: Get by Eastside Liquor in Fort Smith today and pick up a bottle of the delicious 291 Colorado Bourbon and Rye. Also available, high noon tailgate packs are in stock, so swing by 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith for all your game day needs at Eastside Liquor. Now, back to the podcast.
2: A little bit different of a second hour for us on a Tuesday. Chuck Barrett coming up in about 15 minutes from Lexington Live. I wonder if Chuck's got to get in a nap today, man. Um, I would. 8 o'clock. Perfect nap weather. Well,
3: (laughs) here anyways, I don't know what the weather's like there.
2: (laughs) Perfect nap
3: weather. Man. Get a little sprinkle going on outside.
2: It's It's raining. You're right. It is good nap weather. But you might need one tonight. For you and me, Matt, I mean, like, I have no trouble making it to 8 o'clock. It's making it to 9.30. It's really making it to 10.15 when this game is probably going to be decided in the last minute. Like, that's where it's going to be a little difficult to make it to. Because I know I'm just – I just start – I just – unless I'm on the air, unless I'm doing a game – I'm gonna start losing that energy about nine thirty. That eight o'clock game,
3: I usually watch that first half, shower and brush your teeth at halftime, and then you just kind of let the second half put you to sleep. Yeah, let it take you. Like by the time the game's over, about twelve minutes, I won't make the post game. I I, I will be out.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, it's usually with uh, I'm exactly the same thing. I'll watch. Now I don't want to do this tonight because I want I want to watch it actually standing up to force myself to be awake for this. Um, I'll usually watch like the the last ten minutes in bed, hand in remote, waiting for the moment where I realize it's time to turn this sucker off and go to sleep. I don't think that's happening today. I think there's going to be a tight one. I do too. And I'm I looking forward to it. It's going to be hotly contested. I think you got two teams that are that that really, I mean, they feel like they're in a good position to get to the tournament, but not at the line that they'd want to be at. Certainly, they're not in the standings in the SEC where they feel they belong. Uh, first of two meetings against these two program for these two programs and i think they're just going to come at 100%. You know who else comes at 100%? Charlie does. The tuna. Uh, he's given us a call oh, you can well, do the same in this segment doing. at 877-377-6963. Hi Charlie. You going to have any trouble making it to 10:15 tonight or are you just going to start pacing? You're probably pacing right now while you're doing this phone call.
5: Actually, so I'm actually fairly calm during the games. It's the lead up for me, man. It's 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 before, like an hour or two before, man. I don't know when you played. Like, were you more nervous before the game? I, or I like liked, you got out
3: there. Yeah, no, I like the afternoon games. I didn't like to sit around and wait till eight o'clock to play.
5: Just a lot of man. thinking.
3: Yeah, let's go play. Yeah, I didn't like to necessarily play yeah. at eleven or noon, but you know that three o'clock afternoon, four four. 4 3, yeah.
5: I feel like that's perfect, perfect, right around the right time where I feel good too. You know, that, that's kind of how I am. I'm just, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm nervous now more than I probably will be during the game. I think during the game, I kind of settle in. Mm-hmm. I did that when I was playing too. Like, I, I mean, I was kind of like the guy that would go and almost puke before the game, but then once we started right up and down the court, you know, I feel all right. What well, was that? You know, Dick Vanill
3: Dick and Mark Wahlberg in that movie with the 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 Invincible movie where he's getting ready for his first yeah. game and they're both coming out just
5: wiping their chin like yeah. Charlie, they...
2: do you do you start to get a little bit nervous before the, we put you on the? Do you puke before you start talking on our show? <laughs>
5: Actually, no, Phil, no, Phil, not at all. Actually, now I'm I'm like because y'all feel like it's like more like a family vibe now. There we I go. I say when I first started doing good, this, good. you know, when I first started calling in, yeah, yeah. Probably, because this, this is not the this is not
2: the football field. This is not the sidelines. We have a no puke policy on this show, so I'm I'm glad to know that.
5: <laughs> I can't let it loose on here. All right, all right, I'll try. Right. Well, uh, i be excited about tonight, guys. I think you're right. It's the edge of the sheet. uh Edge of you know you're gonna be right. At, it's gonna be right down to the wire. I agree, and um I think at the end of the day for Arkansas, the best thing that they can do is just make this game go as 40 close to 40 minutes as possible, and find a way to make make a shot down the end and hopefully get a stop or two. That's the key. And, uh you know, for me, guys, though, also LeBron is 33 points away, and they started nine. So I'm going to be kind of back and forth a little bit. That will keep me up a little bit longer, too, because I want to see if he can pass that, pass that record tonight. So that'll keep me up a little bit. Phil, I need you to do me a favor, though. Um Baseball-wise, I want you to sell me on something. Because for me... I I am a baseball fan, but not to the extent you are. And, uh, you know, I know that's your favorite sport. Uh, When I looked at last year's team, I was thinking about this. um, And I thought they got off to a great start last year. And then they kind of hit that low towards the end of the year. And everybody was like, oh, man, here we go. Go Going into the tournament, they won't make it past. They wound up going to uh, Oklahoma State, right, for the regional? That's right. So everybody was like, they won't make it past there. And I was thinking, like this year, I think what are some things you're looking at early? Because I know you always talk about this, like I do. It's like DVH understands we got to be kind of playing our best ball down the stretch. But what, other than the pitching, what are some things you're looking for early that, you know, what, you know, sell me on this team early in the season? Because I'm more interested in once we get into conference play. And towards the end, that's just me and how I roll a little bit. But I'm not as much of a baseball fanatic as you. Sell me early on this team. What what, what gets you excited other than, the, you know, pitching and all of that? And, um, you know, last year it's like Michael Turner, like, I remember listening to that thing on the uh, when they delayed the game. Like, uh, you know, he was like, man, you know, we, we needed a mind reset. And when they got into the tournament, they got hot. So, what, one game away from making the, the big one? So, anyway – See what happens this year. It's going to be a great year, and uh, I'm excited for the whole year itself. But sell me early. I want you to sell me early. I know you're good at this, Phil. Yeah, anyway, it's hang up
2: it's, it's a little difficult to. Uh, I've always thought it's like with a basketball team, a coach will tell you, "I want to be playing. I want us to be playing our best in February to be able to keep that ball rolling downhill." You know, and and I learned from last year with the baseball team. It might not necessarily matter how you're playing going into the NCAA tournament because things can change. And it's a little bit weird, you know, like the the basketball tournament I think is taken in a much different vein than the than the SEC baseball tournament is. You know, the basket the SEC the conference baseball tournament is just sort of not important to a lot of people. It's and, and sometimes to the team too. That looked like the case last year. They just kind of looked like they wanted a they, they, they weren't too interested in that tournament. And then the, the switch flipped. You know, what, what I learned from that is that there is no other league, there is no other team that you can play outside of the SEC uh, that has the same kind of depth. You know, when you're going into the end, once you get to Omaha, it's a different thing. Those are all really good teams. You don't get to Omaha without getting hot for a couple of weeks. But if you're an SEC team that's sort of middling, I mean, look at Ole Miss. They were middling for a while until they got healthy and had a run. You can make a run as long as you get into the tournament. It doesn't matter where you play. It doesn't matter who you play. Because you have, and I hate this term because it's so overused and it is such a cliche, but there is some truth in cliches. If iron sharpens iron, the SEC is the sharpest block, light knife block in all of college baseball, and it isn't even close. So, all right, we know about the pitching. Like, that's going to get you fired up. I don't know, like, things to get you excited about. I, I mean, I loved the idea of watching Peyton Stovall play second base and seeing him grow into the hitter that he is, that is difficult to be as a freshman. I mean, he was going to be a first-round draft choice and turned down, if I remember the dollar figure, 2 mil. $2 million turned down as a – not a potential. He was going to be a first-round draft choice. First-round draft choices don't go out of high school to the major leagues, and very few of them start crushing once they get into the minor leagues. And when they're playing in the minors, they're not playing at the same level that the SEC is. I think Peyton Stovall can be a an MVP type of a player for this Arkansas team. I'm talking an SEC player of the year kind of person. Uh, so that's one thing to really be excited about. You know, Jared Wegner, the left fielder, the guy hit at Creighton. And that's in that's with barely anybody watching, not just at Creighton, but over the rest of the Big East. He's going to be, I'm interested to see how he, it's not handled the pressure, but handles the crowds that he's never played in front of before. Starting with, by the way, 25,000 people at the Ranger stadium. Baseball, more than
3: anything, I think has a little bit to do with momentum and your pitchers. Unlike basketball, and this is just my opinion, Phil, unlike basketball, your best player gets to play every game and gets to play most of the minutes most of the time if he's not hurt. Baseball, your best pitcher only gets to throw one game a series and then your hitters go in the lineup. It's just a different animal.
2: It is, it is. And and the SEC is a totally different animal, too. So I anticipate for the first three, four weeks before you get into SEC play, there'll be a lot of lineup tinkering, you know, figuring out how to slot guys in. Uh, one thing I know, you're not going to have to have two lefties hitting in a row or two righties hitting in a row. They're going to be able to slot him in lefty, righty, lefty, righty and be really tough to match up with in late innings. Uh, and, and I think, I don't know if the starting rotation will will change very much because if the guys pitch well the first weekend, then they're probably going to stay in that rotation until they prove that they don't belong there. Um, it's really how the bullpen shakes out, where the roles fit into. Because you have enough lefties and righties um, that there could be you know numerous roles for these pitchers. Um, and I'm not just talking about closer because so, so often bringing a pitcher in the, from the pen in the fifth inning where the game can really swing, that's more important than the ninth inning. So uh, just seeing how they figure out how to utilize this incredibly talented pitching staff. Like, they'll always say, Matt, like, if you have, like, you know, two really awesome quarterbacks on a team, well, it's a great problem to have, right? Well, theoretically, it's a great problem to have, but what if you make the wrong choice? <laughs> right. You got to be Jim
3: Harbaugh and, and, or Andy Reid, like when Andy Reid got rid of Alex Smith for Patrick Mahomes, but it's... Uh... The guy that gets their first opportunity gets to go out there and, and has the chance. I mean, you, you get the chance to stay out there. And, and one thing I've learned, and, and when you, the, the farther you go in sports, the guy sitting on the bench right next to you is just as capable. He's just waiting for his opportunity. And, and that's oh. it. When you get your opportunity, you got to seize the moment.
2: There are other years where you kind of knew what the starting rotation should look like before the season, season even starts. And you have a sense of the roles in the pen. This is not that season. This is not that season. So the first month, and they got some really good teams they're playing against. The first month is uh, just incredibly important. I hope I answered your question, Charlie, because I think there were two or three of them in there. All right, we're going to talk with the voice of the Razorbacks, Chuck Barrett, after the break. Heavy, heavy into Arkansas and Kentucky. First of two meetings later tonight on ESPN Arkansas and hitthatline.com. So stay with us. Are you in need of an attorney? Hickey & Hull Law Partners is your firm. Hickey & Hull understand the importance of client communication, meeting with you, responding to emails, and returning calls. Hickey & Hull are attorneys you can trust to guide you through a divorce or a custody case, criminal charges, or even civil lawsuit. Ready to put their seven decades of experience to work for you and get the best results. Every case is important. Hickey & Hull Law Partners strive to give each client the time and attention it deserves. Visit them at KevinHickeyLaw.com. Hickey and Hull Law Partners. Things are about to get better. And now, back to the podcast. Back on halftime here and joined live from lovely Lexington, Kentucky. site of tonight's Arkansas-Kentucky basketball game is the voice of the Razorbacks, Chuck Barrett. Chuck, it's good to have you on today. What's uh, what's going on in Lexington this afternoon?
1: Well, everybody's just kind of waiting on the ball game, I guess. Uh, the Razorbacks have, they've been over to the arena today and they've had their game day practice. And so, uh, everybody should be ready to go.
3: Chuck, before we get into the Arkansas stuff, I know you're a sports fan. I I just want to ask you about LeBron James and, and, and his just remarkable career and the fact that he's, I never thought we'd see it in in my lifetime, but breaking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's all time scoring record. Uh, do you got a favorite LeBron James moment or, or just, I mean, just the longevity that, that he's been able to play with?
1: Well, I appreciate the fact that he's still doing it at the level he's doing it at the age that he is. I think that's the thing that's most remarkable about uh, about LeBron. I mean, he's, uh, um, you know, everywhere he's been, I mean, for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Since mean, he was 17, yeah. Him, yeah, I mean, uh, I can remember – You know, seeing him when he was in high school. And, you know, you knew that he was going to be pretty special. But he's, uh, you know, the NBA's changed. Um, You know, teams, players, players go to super teams now. And, um, you know, Kareem had some pretty good guys around him, too. It wasn't really the super team era. But, um, you know, I'm old school and I loved Kareem and the way he played and the way he dominated the game. But, there's very few people I think we'll ever see in sports. I mean, we've talked about Brady a lot lately, but there's very few people in sports that do it at the highest level for as long as LeBron has and Brady has. And, you know, I mean, man, you know this better than anyone. If if you have a 10-year career in the NFL, I mean, you're in the top 2 or 3%. If you play 10 years yeah. in the NBA, you're in the top 2 or 3% to think that they've done it or that, you know certainly LeBron has done it uh, as long as he has It's pretty remarkable.
2: You know it's it, it you bring up Kareem I think of some of the players that have set some of the records that are still you know viewed with awe like uh, you know the goal scoring record in the NHL. Wayne Gretzky was not the same player at all that last year you know when he scored his final goal. Same with Kareem um you know, Brady this last year, I mean, he had some moments, but you could tell. I mean, he was not the same player that he was even the year before. That's the thing about LeBron that's so amazing. You're right about that. I mean, watching the way he plays now and the numbers he puts up at this age, and he's he's a little bit younger than Kareem because he got his career started in the NBA without going into college. Yeah, and Kareem,
3: and Kareem had to go to college for, for a
2: handful of years too, right? Yeah, four years, yeah. that's right. But Never, it's the ability to maintain your body for that long and stay at that level of performance—that's just otherworldly.
1: Well, here's the thing, though. That I will say—I mean, you know, first off, Kareem was not a three-point shooter. He was a true setter mm-hmm. in the era of basketball when true setters were what won championships. And um, you know, Kareem was basically a—you know—I mean, his 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 repertoire included a lot more than people realized. But he was obviously known for the sky hook. Kareem could dominate in a game that in a way that LeBron does not, um, because main, you know, partly because there are other great, you know, there are more great players on the floor now, but, um, you know, if you're old enough to remember, I mean, you can remember first the Bucks and then the Lakers, you know, he had a supporting caster in showtime, but when they needed a bucket, I mean, when they had to have a basket, that thing went down on the low block block of Kareem and, you know, he was a guy that could just dominate the game, and and I've never seen many that can dominate it the way he
3: does. Yeah, you you, you bring up getting a basket, needing a basket. That that South Carolina game at the end, uh, Black kind of took over. You know, we talk about he's a facilitator and and not this this true scoring guy, but it's not that he can't do it. It's just that he's a he's a point guard and making everybody get involved. But late in the game, that South Carolina game, we needed a bucket. He got the bucket. We needed a rebound. He got the rebound. Uh, I, I love just watching Anthony Black and, and just watching him get better each week. Uh, I mean, each game. Well, what are your thoughts on Anthony Black going into tonight?
1: You know, you go back to the very end of that South Carolina ball game when they, uh, you know, when they missed that shot inside and he got the rebound with less than three seconds mm-hmm. left. I mean, there are a lot of white jerseys around right there, and um, you know, that was a huge rebound. And that's a guy like you say that. I mean, some players just do it. They take over. You did it, man. I mean, you did it in football. And, and I, I mean, some players just, I mean, when the game's on the line, that's that's their time. And uh, Black's one of those guys.
2: Well, they need him to rebound today. They're going to need this whole team to rebound. Yeah, I mean, everybody. Is, everybody. That's right. That's what I was getting at in the first segment on the show, Chuck, is, you know, Shibway and this Kentucky team, and really Shibway overall, it's not a thing where it's like, all right, one guy's got to block him out. This is a team effort. And you might have to get a couple of bodies on him. Cause I think that's where he gets a lot of his offense from is not necessarily tip backs, but pulling down his own teammates misses.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's a wide body. I mean, you got to, uh, you know, you may have 15 or 20 fouls you spend on him tonight. I mean, you gotta make him work for everything that he gets. And, um, that's, that's, that's going to be a really, really big key in this game. Now, you know when they lost to Carolina, they didn't have Toppin, and I think Toppin's kind of the wild card. He's six nine, and he's a really good, athletic six nine. And um, you know they're going to have to keep him off the glass too. And you know you kind of pick your poison. I mean, there are going to be times I'm sure when they double down on Sheepway, and there will be times when you know um, they're not going to let him kick out for a three because they got some pretty good three point shooters. But you know, Kentucky is one of those. I mean. You know they're an inside-out team. You know, and and not everybody's like that right now. But Sheboy allows them to do that. And but yeah, I mean, um, what do you have? Eighteen rebounds last time we played him, I think. So um, you know, you better keep him off the boards. Yeah. And 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 by off the boards, I mean limit him to ten or twelve total rebounds, and don't let him get six or eight offensive rebounds. You're not going to hold him to like six boards. That is not going to happen. He's going to get his double-double, but you can't let him get offensive rebounds.
2: Think about that, bad. It's like limit him to double digit rebounds. Limit him oh, to yeah. five offensive. This how good he is at this. You're it, right.
3: Yeah, it's like let's let's hold Fred Talley to under 150 yards rushing. I I, I get it. And 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 uh, Chuck, Phil, and I were talking about who's a player that needs to step up. We you know Anthony Black, Ricky Council, Devo. I, I see that all of them getting 38 plus minutes. The guy that I think that needs to get more than 30 minutes and needs to be. Uh, healthy and be out of foul trouble is Jordan Walsh. This is a big, kind. Of, this could be a coming out game for him uh, to to have a nice little 12-10 and 10 game but not necessarily that as much as that he needs to be on the floor for more than 25 minutes and stay out of foul trouble for us to have a chance.
1: Yeah, you can't get in foul trouble tonight. I mean, they've gone seven deep the last two games. Now, I figure Kamani Johnson will play a little more mm-hmm. tonight. Um, you know, but uh, I, 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 I don't know how it'll be beyond that, but um, yeah, I mean, you've got to, you know, when you're playing, you know, seven guys, eight guys, I mean, everybody's got to play well. Uh, everybody's got to play well because, you know, that's what's required at a place like this, but you know, Arkansas has won here before Arkansas has won here before with lesser teams. So, um, you know, this is one of those places where just like Bud Walton arena, um, other teams get excited about playing there too. And so, you know, I think Arkansas will. I think there will be a lot of intensity on the floor tonight. I'll put it that way. I think Arkansas is ready to play.
2: Chuck, I've never been to a, a basketball game at Rupp. You know, the women's team plays at Memorial um, Coliseum. Mm-hmm. You know, right there on campus, and they get a good atmosphere in there. What What is it like? I only go on well, what I see on television. And you know, when you're in person in the building, things are sometimes different than what you what you're seeing on television. What's the What's the atmosphere like at Rupp? When things are going good for Kentucky?
1: Well, they're, I mean, they are basketball blue bloods and they like to be entertained and they, you know, um, they think they know more about it than everybody else. So they'll, you know, they they get on their own
3: team. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, well, but I mean, they get on their own team too. Um, but they'll, um, oh, they'll be there. I mean, um. You know, it's a 9 o'clock Eastern game. It's so a late game here, but that happens with them quite a bit, them in Tennessee. So I think it'll be a full house tonight. When they're good, to answer your question, when it's like I can remember when it was vintage Kentucky. Um, I remember one night we were there on a Saturday night, and they had Willie Cauley-Stein and a bunch of other dudes, and, and they had Bruno Mars blaring on the uh, – you know the DJ was, and I mean, twenty thousand people were up dancing, and I can remember looking at Scotty Thurman and saying something to the effect of, "We're going to have a long night." And um, I mean, that's just kind of how it is when they're good. But I don't think this is a vintage Kentucky team. They're 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 playing well right now, and um, I mean, Cal's. You know, everybody loves to hate him, but he's a pretty underrated coach, even with all the attention he gets. I mean, Cal can coach, and. Um, you know, they've won six in a row, and it'll be tough tonight. It, it's, uh, but I'll say this the way Arkansas is playing defense right now, if they can get that final act of defense, you know, Musk calls it like, you know, compares it to a save in baseball. Mike Anderson used to talk about the finishing part of defense is getting the rebound. And so if they can continue to play defense the way they play played the last two or three weeks, and keep Kentucky from killing them on the offensive glass, they've got a shot.
3: Chuck, I love the the way this team, they don't flinch. They, they don't back down from anybody. And, and I was telling Phil, that it's kind of echoing what you're saying, that it wouldn't matter if there were zero fans in the stadium tonight. This this team's going to be ready to go out there and battle. Uh, they, they know how big this game is at Kentucky.
1: They do. But I think the fact that there's going to be 20,000 in there is going to make it even better. Um, Absolutely, I think our guys have. I think our guys have gotten past this, you know, wide-eyed stuff on the road. I do think it was an issue a month ago. I don't really think it's an issue now. Um, And I think, um, you know, players want to play in big games. I mean, the spotlight's on Rupp. I mean, they've watched this. They've watched games on TV. You talked about it a minute ago, Phil. We've all watched games on TV our whole lives um, from Rupp Arena, and so. You know, I can tell you there was a bounce in their step today. So, I mean, if you're a player, I mean, really a player, you know, this is the stage you want to be on. You don't don't want to be on stage B. I mean, you want to be on the big stage.
2: Hey, last thing before we we take the commercial, we've got a text in here from Mark who uh, says he's watched eight or nine Kentucky games this year, and he's going about Oscar Sheway in the lane. He's counted five to eight seconds. I'm going to be – Waiting to hear <laughs> Zim whispering one, two, three over your call yeah. when Kentucky's got the ball at times. Like how that's called early in the game might give us an idea of how it's gonna go.
1: Well, I mean, he does seem to pitch a ten in there. Um he's just kind of always been that way. And um now I will say this, he's pretty adept at getting getting one foot just out of the lane to where that count restarts, where like you know, for every six seconds, he, he may be in the lane for like 4.888 seconds of that, but he manages to get a toe out at some point. They start the count over. Sometimes he doesn't, and then they just don't look. But, I mean, he's he's that kind of guy. He's an old-school, old, old kind of low-block player. Corliss was this way. He wasn't as tall, but Corliss was this type player. And... Um, you know, it's um, it's going to be interesting to see as his career goes on, you know, what kind of player he is in the NBA. Um, you know, I don't know that he would have, I don't know that he would have stuck, um, you know, had he gone out early, I don't know. But um, I'm sure he's got a very good deal to play basketball in Kentucky right now with the NIL, but um, in college, he's a dominant player. He's a dominant player. He's like Corliss would have been if he was two and a half inches taller.
2: Hmm, that's a frightening thought. We got Chuck for another segment. So, uh, if you, uh, got any questions, we can take him over the text line at 877-377-6963. Chuck and Zim are on the air at 730 tonight for an 802 tip right here on ESPN Arkansas and hit thatline.com.
4: Eastside Liquor has more than just liquor. They also have wellness products and now carry Marley CBD gummies. They come in amazing flavors like Island Punch and Coconut Vanilla. They come in 200 milligram tin packs, so stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue and pick some up today. Now, back to the podcast.
2: Chuck Barrett staying with us here for this uh, last segment on Halftime. You can get a question on our text line at 877-377-6963. Chuck, when's, um, it's an 8 o'clock game. I'm going to need a cup of coffee in order to make it to the end of it, I think. When is your first or last cup of coffee for this one? You're a coffee drinker. I'm assuming you might need <clears throat> some to get yourself, you know, not fired up for the game, but, you know, the energy that you'll need to call this one, which is going to go down to the last minute. You know that.
1: Well, I'm a coffee drinker anyway. I don't care what time we play. I uh, generally have coffee. I take a little coffee canister with me, as a matter of fact, or a little, you know, kind of a little metal carafe thing. So I'll have coffee before, during, and maybe even after the game.
2: Well, I hope the folks at Rep Arena have something, uh, have some for you. Uh, rap I have a
1: system. I have a system. I have a metal carafe. I have a metal carafe that holds about the equivalent of two and a half cups of coffee, and so um, I will fill it up with coffee before I go to the arena, and so uh, I'll have it at the ready. I'll have a little paper cup from the hotel, room, and I'll have uh, I'll have my coffee in my little. Got a plan.
2: I like it. You got to have a plan hey, when you're out there. This is not my first rodeo, guys. Yeah, this
1: is not my first rodeo.
2: Oh, I've I've had to make some adjustments for my baseball coffee drinking because you know the the clubhouse has moved away from where the booth is, and I used to be able to yeah. go down there and get a cup. They don't have coffee in the press box, so I'm going to have to bring in my own little single uh, my own little single cup dispenser. Just for me, because Bubba wants me to drink like Red Bull and all other kinds of weird energy drinks that might say, may have, make me say weird things on the air. So I'm going to have to bring one into the booth with me. Hey, baseball season's coming up too, Chuck. I mean, this is going to be a really fun. I think it's going to be a fun baseball season. I just, I'm just not quite sure what the lineup looks like, but when Dave Van Horn says this is the deepest pitching staff I've ever had, like that's going to make you stand up and take notice.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is. Um, the thing that I think you hope... Is that, um, you know, you can have a bell cow in that group and maybe a, you know, a bell cow B too. Um, you know, you, you look, and I realize what defines a quality start, as we've discussed, is change. Um, you know, sometimes you're only looking for four or five out of a guy, and sometimes that's good enough to win. But you look at the years and the teams that, you know, win it all, they got a bell cow. You know they got a they got one or two guys there that um, you know you need to have somebody go thirteen and two you need to have somebody on there that's a you know fourteen and two you gotta have some big winners I think and I realize it's changed I understand that but um, that's what I hope is that as uh, uh, we move through this thing we may not see it right away I don't know I hope that um, I hope that you got a bell cow or two emerge out of that.
3: Chuck, one things I, I, I miss about, I mean, you, you miss a lot about playing, but one of the things that I always remember was whether it's basketball or football, you have a, a meeting with the referees and the rules people every year about some just subtle changes. There's rule changes here, something that's going on. Every, every year something changes. And and Phil brought up this yesterday. I wanted to get your thoughts on it. that It's a 10-run rule now where after the seventh inning, if a team's up by seven, Uh, They call the game. What are your thoughts on that, uh, calling a a game at seven innings?
1: Well, I'm not a big fan of it, to be honest, Um, because, you know, a college game's not always over when one team's down by 10, even after seven. Now, most of the time they are, and I get where they're coming from, uh, because what ends up happening is that, you know, Phil, you know this, I mean, if you're if you're way up or way down, generally when you're way down, um, you know, you, um, you're not, say if it's Friday night, well, you're not going to throw guys. You may pitch on Saturday and Sunday. And, um, so what ends up happening, everybody takes one or two guys with maybe one pitcher that, you know, if it all falls apart, this is the guy we're going to ask to eat up, you know, five or six innings for us. And, you know, make sure we got everybody left for, you know, whatever remains in the series. So I get both sides of the coin. I, I, I don't care for it as much as some. Um, now we'll say this, Phil, you know this. I mean, when you're broadcasting a game and <laughs> there's a 12 run difference in the eighth inning, all you're thinking about, you know, let's get out of here.
2: Talking so about the
3: restaurants.
1: I yeah. Can, yeah. I mean, I can, I can, I can see all sides of the argument here.
2: Well, I mean, it's like you play, you know, like yeah, you know, any of those non-conference teams that you know, could, the game could get out of hand on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. Like the, the first question asked to like Kevin Trainer before the game starts is there a ten-run rule for this game today? Oh, there yeah. is?
1: sweet. Good. Oh, I can, I can see it for those games, and I think there should be that kind of rule for those games because you've got some, you've got some real mismatches when you, uh, you know, when you play some of these games. But uh, I, I was surprised, frankly. That uh, the SEC did this, um, and essentially the coaches did it because the coaches run the league. You know, in terms of things like this, I mean, the coaches are in charge. So right. evidently, um, evidently, they
2: wanted to do it or it wouldn't have passed. You're right about the coaches run the league, and uh, one thing oh, I really liked hearing yeah. from Dave yesterday in his uh, post Swatters Club media uh, session was they asked him about extra innings. With the ghost runner at second base, he says, "Well, I'm never going to agree to that." I'm like, "Yes, thank you very much, Dave. I don't. I can appreciate if you want to do that, like in the thirteenth inning or something, but not the tenth inning." And I like that Dave comes from that perspective too.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the others are going to say on that, um, but I'm certain in Major League Baseball, if you'd done a poll of the managers, it would have never passed. And so you know that's the contrast right there. And in, in in college baseball, you know the coaches run the show. And in uh, the Major League Baseball, the, you know, the commissioner's office, and uh, you know, they, they make those decisions. But, uh, you know, I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, the commissioner of the SEC, generally speaking, not always, but particularly when it comes to baseball, they're just going to rubber stamp what, what the coaches would like to do. And I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying that's generally how it works.
3: Chuck, I always love joining you on your podcast, uh, your Monday edition. And uh, we talked a little bit uh, the the last week about the Super Bowl coming up. So I got to get your thoughts. Last time you'll be on on the show with us this week uh, before Sunday. Uh, Who you got and why?
1: That's a tough one, man. I mean, I want to go with Kansas City because of my homes. But, you know, regardless of what he looks like early in the game, you know, that's going to wear on him. And, you know, I've heard you talk about this, Matt, that, you know, there's going to be a play where all the stuff you've done all week long to get yourself ready to go, just goes out the window. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, from that point on, you've just got to gut it out. Philadelphia's defense will get after you. I, you know, I, I was, I, mainly because I don't watch enough NFL, I guess, but, um, you know, I kept thinking Philadelphia's going to stub their toe and they just never did. And so, um, for that
0: reason, I'm going with Philadelphia. Nice.
1: Which means load up on Kansas. Go to the Batcarys and have load up on Kansas City.
3: Right now. Hey, man, Phillies—they <laughs> th- got some players, Chuck. I, I think it's a oh, coin flip too. game. I think it could be one of those games. We're talking about it for for the next for three days afterwards. I think it could be that good,
2: Chuck. I think the difference is Philadelphia's ability to get to the quarterback without blitzing. And look, I know it's like two weeks for Mahomes to rest that ankle, um, but. Um they, they seventy sacks with four guys over ten. That's sacks, wild. And That's they don't wild. even blitz. Like to me, they can control that line of scrimmage, which they've done on both sides of the ball. That's why I'm going with Philadelphia too. I'm on I'm I'm picking the same team you are. I think for the same reasons you are too.
1: You know, I, I, I I've never been and I guess this is just me, and obviously I'm wrong, but I I, I was never sold on hurts. As being a true NFL quarterback, and he's still not in the same mold of, you know, Mahomes or Allen or, uh, you know, a guy at San Diego. Yeah, yeah Herbert. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, he's 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 not in that mold, but um, I mean, he's done a great job. He's just done a great job this year, and um, they've been a great team all season long.
3: I forget you get to watch him twice twice a year when they play your Cowboys, so you you have got to see him. Play. Yeah. And he's had to. And to your point, Chuck, he's had to really. He's not as accurate as that, like a like the pinpoint accuracy. No. He's had to work at it,
1: and he has. And I mean, this is a guy that um, you know. I'm. Mean, you can tell. And and you know when a player says about another player, you can tell he works at it. I mean, you know that's 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 a compliment, and you can. And he's. Um, I didn't think he would be as good as he's been as an NFL quarterback. And, um, you know, I thought Tua was the one that would be the great pro. And as it turns out, maybe exactly the opposite. I don't know, Tua's, you know, he had trouble staying healthy. But, you know, Hurts is, you know, when you watch him carry himself, there is a quiet confidence there. And I'm sure sometimes it's a loud confidence too, but, just the way he carries himself. There's a guy. I mean, he's he's certain of his steps. I'll put it that way.
2: Last thing to get to, and I and well, I want to ask a question that uh, one of our texters uh, sent in here, and it's about tonight's basketball game. And I think it's more about the one of the narratives of the season, and it, it's not it's not the officiating. It's there's the sense I think across the Arkansas fan base that the officials have it out for this team rap in Fort Smith asked about this. You see, you know, he, he says it's easy to talk about officials. You lose four games, one possession. Other team shoots 20 free throws. You shot 10. And his basic question is, are the refs down on must and our players? I think there are some games where that, that looks like it's the case. There's others where it's not. And I wonder your thoughts on that.
1: I think there are always are uh, calls. You're going to argue. I mean, there are always calls. You're going to argue. And, you um, you know, there are times that you walk away and you feel like, man, we got hosed tonight. But to answer the question about, do I think they've got it in for Muss or our players? No, I, I don't. I don't. I don't believe that. I don't see any evidence of that. Um, you know, I'm right there and I listen to how Muss works him, but I see how other coach, uh, coaches work him too. Yeah. And um, you know, it's not like he's the only one cussing him. I mean, you know, the not cornered the market on that. That stuff's going on on both ends of the floor. They're getting worked hard on both ends, and um, I can tell you guys, every team that comes into Bud Walton Arena and gets beat feels like that they're playing Bud Walton Arena and the three referees mm-hmm. and the students. They feel that way every time. I mean, uh, in our heyday, um, I talked to them. They, you know, they talk about how raw their guards' wrists were <laughs> after they played the Razorbacks in Bud Walton Arena. You know they had bloody wrists after the game. Uh, now some of that was exaggerated. Yeah, that's true. Sure. But 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 my point is is everybody feels that way. And no, I don't think Mush is being targeted. And no, I don't think Jordan Walsh is being targeted. Now I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I think every every game is beautifully officiated because I don't. Um, and I don't. I'm not going to tell you that I think there aren't times when Arkansas gets hosed because I think there are. But I don't think it's because they got it in for
2: us. Chuck, always enjoy these visits. Thanks so much. We'll be listening tonight. Have a great call. All right, guys. Thanks. Enjoyed it. Thanks, Chuck. Chuck Barrett, voice of the Razorbacks, joining us every Tuesday here on Halftime. The Gimme the Hogs Chuck podcast coming out Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. It'll be on the Morning Rush tomorrow, hopefully talking about a big Arkansas win over those hated Kentucky Wildcats. Bruce in Nashville says the Razorbacks can't turn it over 10 or more times and win, and that they still need to be aggressive on defense. Brandon wanted to ask Chuck if it's hard to match Z's energy. I'll just answer for (laughs) Chuck, Brandon. Yes. I don't know many people, if anyone, that's got Z's energy. You just can't try to match it. You just got to try to contain it.
4: Head to Twin Peaks and Rogers, your sports headquarters, where the 29-degree draft beer is flowing, the kitchen is bursting with made-from-scratch fan favorites, and the game is blasting from every angle. Stop in for the ultimate game day experience or visit them online at TwinPeaksRestaurant.com to order to-go or delivery and enjoy your Twin Peaks scratch favorites from home. More TVs, bigger screens, plus their scenic views. There's more to watch at Twin Peaks. Eastside Liquor in Fort Smith has Whip Shots. Whip Shots from Cardi B is vodka-infused whipped cream in flavors like vanilla, caramel, mocha, and peppermint. With 10% alcohol content, these whipped cream shots will make any night a celebration. And they're great on pumpkin pie. Stop by Eastside Liquor today and pick up a can of Whip Shots at 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith. Now, back to the podcast.
2: Curtis, how you doing today? It's going to be a late night. I know that's an exciting thing, though.
6: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to this. one. I'm doing good, uh, I strategically slept in an extra hour this morning, so I'm I'm locked and loaded and ready to roll. It should be a fun night.
2: What time is Curtis Wilkerson's bedtime normally?
6: You know, I, I'm kind of a night owl. If I get to bed before midnight, that's that's usually uh, that's usually a pretty good start for me. But I I went to bed early last night. I. Took my wife out to dinner, and I think I came back home and was asleep by like nine thirty, which is really rare. I I woke up this morning and felt like I missed you know a bunch of things, but it turns out I didn't. So that's that's good news.
2: That's Phil Elson, Matt Jones go to sleep territory. Mm, yeah. I like he, it. Well, I know what you were doing though. You were you were getting ready for the game tonight. That's what it's. You got to get a good night's sleep. You know you got to eat right. Um, you know you got to take care of you know personal things the night before the game. Not worry about it the day of game. You're, you're, you're attacking this game like you're one of the players, it sounds like, Curtis.
6: I, I mean, you know, total focus, right? You know, I, I think the Razorbacks are, are going to be locked in for this one. This is a huge game. Uh, you know, they need it. Both teams are, are in a position where they need to stack up some quality wins. And, you know, so who am I to not be just as prepared? Yeah, I got to bring my A game as well.
3: Uh, I want to ask you, Curtis. I, we we all know about is is it Sheway, If I, if I'm saying his name right. Who, other than that, though, for the, on this Kentucky team, who who is the guy that scares you? Because we know I know they got a lot of talent. Who's the guy you put Debo on? Who's the guy we got to stop? Other than Sheway? Yeah,
6: there are two guys that that really come to my mind outside of Big Oscar. Uh, you know, in terms of who Devo would guard, I, I think I would probably turn to the freshman, Kaysen Wallace. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, really talented guard. You know, he's kind of a combo. You know, he'll play off the ball when Severe Wheeler's in there, um, but he'll run the point when he's not. You know, he's a guy that can create, and score at all three levels. And think he's shooting 40% from three. Um, he's a guy that can kind of go get a bucket for him. So, you know, when I look at the, the matchup for Devo, that would probably be the guy that, it, that I would start on him. Uh, but, you know, another matchup that kind of has my attention is Jacob Toppin. You know, this is a guy, uh, he kind of plays that hybrid, you know, stretch forward mm-hmm, kind of role. Mm-hmm. and You know, he's got guard skills. Uh, not necessarily a guy who spaces the floor and shoots a ton of threes, but if you, know, you kind of look at the makeup of this Arkansas roster right now. I just wonder how that matchup is going to work because I think Jordan Walsh is a perfect fit for him. Obviously, we've seen him getting some foul trouble on the road at times, but when you go to your bench... Uh, you know, is Arkansas going to be able to play big? Are they going to be able to throw, uh, you know, a Makai Mitchell or a Jalen Graham in there at, at, to play the four and guard a guy who has the perimeter skills that Jacob Toppin does? I think it's going to be really important uh, for them to be able to do that because I think you might be able to exploit it on the other end of the floor by posting that guy up. So that would be, a you know, another matchup that has my eye for sure.
2: One area where Arkansas has had advantages against opponents is the length of their guards. It's one of the reasons they defend the three so well. But, you know, I mean, one of the changes that Cal has made in the lineup is to bring uh, Wheeler, Severe Wheeler, off the bench. He's a little guy at five foot eight. That's why, you know, you get a guy like Reeves who's 6'5", Wallace 6'4", around the perimeter. It's not going to be as easy. Well, easy isn't the right word. It's going to be tougher to defend these guards because they're about the same size, at least close enough, uh, to where that usual size advantage you have around the perimeter isn't quite as advantageous for you today.
6: Yeah, that's a good point. It's been interesting to see how you know has kind of tweaked the lineup and, and his combinations there. Uh, I think the best group that they have is, is a backcourt that has Wallace uh, and Frederick and Reeves. I, you know, I think you've got three guys who are capable shooters there, so it gives them the spacing they need. Uh, you know, For a guy like Oscar to just hang out in the paint and you know gobble up offensive rebounds and have room to operate in there, when they go to Sevier Wheeler, uh, listen, he's really talented. I mean, this is a guy who's essentially led the you know the SEC in assists for what feels like ten years now. Uh, you know, going back to his time at Georgia. Uh, but he's not as much of a shooting threat. He is a little guy, but man, when he gets into the teeth of the defense and kind of starts spraying that thing around or, or dropping it off the she uh, he can be really effective there. But yeah, I, I, I agree with you. It's it's a little bit different look. You know, Kentucky traditionally they're going to be a, a long and athletic team, so. Uh, they do match Arkansas from that standpoint. It's going to be interesting. I I think, you know, Sheba is a guy who, uh, is probably to a degree going to get his. So can you limit the other guys in a game like this? Kentucky shoots one of the better three point percentages in the SEC. They're not a super high volume team, but they got some guys who are capable. So you definitely got to limit them from the perimeter.
3: How big was it for this young team? I, I say young because we got a, a few freshmen that that have to make plays for us uh, to to get that road win, to get a road conference win, their last game before we go in uh, to tonight's game. Do you do you, th- how, do you think they'll have uh, all their confidence there tonight?
6: I think so, man. I, I think it was huge. You know, it's maybe it didn't go exactly the way they planned. I, I mean, what were they like a twelve point favorite or, or something like that? two
3: touchdowns? That? Yeah.
6: You know, you had a situation where you had another big second half lead. It kind of evaporates. It's like that recurring nightmare. We were seeing it play out before our eyes. Uh, you know, this Arkansas team has been so close on the road in a number of games they have come up short. Uh, but I think just, just closing one, just finishing, whether it's pretty or not, just to get over that hump and kind of prove to yourselves uh, that you're capable of doing that. I think it speaks volumes, you know, about this team and the progress that they've made. And so, yeah, I do think that helps. I think you can carry some confidence over into an environment like you're going to see it brought because you played in a, in a sold-out building at Missouri and you lost by one possession, you played in front of a you know a wild crowd uh, at a place like Baylor and you lost by one possession. So you know, Arkansas has proven they can go on the road and compete against really good teams in hostile environments. And now you've gone on the road and finished a game. So I think if you combine the two there, you got to feel pretty good about your chances of going in and, and having a strong performance and maybe being able
2: to get the job done tonight. Yeah, that was going to ask about put this game in into its proper context because this is not a... You lose this game, it doesn't take you out of the tournament, right? I mean, you, you've got plenty of opportunities at home to really make a case. <clears throat> but there are some games out there that you know, I mean, it's like Arkansas, Kentucky. Why do you need any other reason to feel like it's important? <laughs> you know, this is this is a great SEC basketball rivalry, and we always circle the date whenever the the schedule comes out, and it's Arkansas versus Kentucky. Um, in the context of what this season means, though, you know, you got to you got to hold serve at home. Um, does Arkansas necessarily have to win a road game? In order to secure a spot in the tournament, in your opinion?
6: Yeah, I'm really glad you asked that question because I've I've been getting that question a lot. And you know, so what I've done the last couple days is I've reached out to a bunch of these you know quote bracketologists who you know kind of do this stuff for a living. They understand the science behind it, and I've asked that very question. And you know, the consensus that I've received is you know could Arkansas just win their final four home games? uh, You know, maybe lose those four games on the road and still make the NCAA tournament. Uh, the answer is, is yeah, they could, but, man, you're not going to be comfortable about it because, you know, you're going to kind of be in that situation where you have to worry about, uh, you know, conference tournament bid stealers, you know, from other leagues, and you got to pay closer attention to what, you know, other teams on the bubble are doing, so it, it kind of takes away a little bit of your control uh, of your own destiny. So is it possible? Yeah, it, it absolutely is, but, man, they sure would do wonders for themselves, uh, by picking off, you know, one or or you know, maybe more of these games on the road, uh, because at the end of the day, if you know, if you get to the end of the season and you look at this team's resume, um, if they hold serve at home, you know, and, and they they aren't able to handle business on the road, um, you know, when you look at a team that's one and eight in road games, and then at that point they would be, I, I guess, one and eight or one and nine in, in quad one games, unless something changes down the road. Um, that's scary in terms of how comfortable you might feel going into Selection Sunday. Uh, you might be in a situation where you have to go do some damage in the FCC tournament. So can they do it? Yeah, absolutely. But, man, they could really take some pressure off themselves by getting one on the road here.
2: Curtis, remind me about what defines a quad one game because it all has to do with the net ranking and whether you're playing that team on the road or whether it's neutral side or whether it's home and 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 every once in a while i forget like the numerals that go into this because i looked at the schedule here and i've looked at the net rankings too and i thought that there are maybe six or seven quad one games in there even your home games um am i wrong about that what is the definition of quad one
6: yeah, so, so quad one, you know, in, in the context of Arkansas right now, uh, if you're at home, it's teams that are ranked in the top 30 of the net. If it's a neutral site, it's top 50. And if it's a road, it's top 75. So uh, those road games right now, all four of them, fall under that quad one category for Arkansas. And if you look at the home games, uh, you know, I think Kentucky – Uh, That, you know, that regular season finale there on March the 4th is one that could creep into quad one status. Again, it has to be top 30. And uh, I want to say that Kentucky's either 31 or 32 right now in the Mets. So they have the potential uh, to bump into that territory and and give Arkansas a fifth opportunity here down the stretch of the season.
2: Or a player you think, all right, so like Devo, all of a sudden in the last month or so, has turned into a pretty darn good three-point shooter to the point where Muss has said, look, this makes a difference for our team now. I mean, we're a team that, can, that has a guy that you can count on to hit threes. And that, it didn't come out of nowhere. It just seems like it did. He's been working on it for three years now. But now the shot has arrived. Is there something from a player that's getting minutes that you need a certain something extra from that you haven't been getting? Because if I'm going to pick one, it's rebounding from Jalen Graham. And I think that might be one thing that Musk would would point out as well. I wonder your thoughts.
6: <laughs> well, yeah. First of all, that's a that's a great point. You know, there on Jalen Graham, uh, it, it was interesting. He had the big offensive performance there against South Carolina, and we asked about that. And I, I kind of knew going into that question what the response was going to be, which is, hey, you know, everyone knows how gifted he is offensively, the, the pop he can provide as a scoring threat. But man, you got to stop turning the ball over, and you got to rebound at a higher rate. And he's right, you know, especially if you're going to be playing that center position at times. Uh, you know, you can't play 20 plus minutes and only grab one rebound. And so, uh, you know, I know he's dealing with a, a little bit of a sore Achilles or, or whatever it is he has going on right now. So maybe that impacts some of his explosion and you know ability to go get those things. But that number still got to be higher, and he's proven. Uh, but he can do it against good competition. I mean, he grabbed nine rebounds at Baylor, so you, know, you would think you would be able to get that number up. So, um, yeah, I would agree with that. And, you know, if I was to think about somebody else, um, you know, maybe just more consistency out of a guy like Ricky Council. Uh, you know, I look at this Arkansas team, they get into these situations, uh, especially on the road, but we've seen it at home, too, where they have these long scoring droughts, especially in the second half of games. Man, that's tough. You know, you, you went almost seven minutes without scoring a single point at South Carolina, and it nearly costs you. When you're playing better teams like Kentucky and you know, some of these games coming up, especially on the road, uh, you can't get away with that. So who's the guy who can put the ball in his hands, he has the ability to create, can score at multiple levels, elevate over a defense, and finish, uh, and counsel the one who's really proven to be that guy, uh, but it's just been a little bit up and down again. I know he's dealing with some, some back stiffness and things of that nature. But I think he's the guy, uh, when you get in those droughts, you can get him the ball, and, and he can go get you a bughead. And Arkansas desperately needs that.
2: Curtis, I would say enjoy the game. but Well, you can because you enjoy your work. So enjoy the game, enjoy your work, uh, staying up late and all that. And we always enjoy uh, visiting, talking about this basketball team. So we'll plan another one sometime yeah. soon. Thanks so much.
6: Awesome. Sounds good. I
2: appreciate you guys. Have a good one. Thanks, Curtis. Curtis Wilkerson from hogsports.com on the 24-7 Sports Network. Uh, I always like visiting with him. He's resting up. I like
3: it. He said he's getting ready, getting to sleep early. We got game day. It's the Super Bowl. We're going
2: to Lexington. You also noticed, Matt, he said he took his wife out the night before. Smart man. Yeah, because he ain't going to be paying much attention to her tonight. Although, I would imagine when you're married to a sports writer, you might watch the games with him when it's on television. Not, ev- not every marriage works that way I know that for a fact
0: You're listening to the East Side Liquor Halftime Podcast. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at hitbatline.com. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent.
6: This podcast has been presented by Bet Online.